kind of the rule when you go to a church, you're supposed to tell a joke and connect with the crowd and stuff like that, okay? I'm going to skip that kind of stuff. My wife asked me last night, she said, well, how was it? I said, honey, you'd love these people. They are the most down-home, down-to-earth, loving group of people in a church that I've seen. I've pastored churches. Like when I went to Macon, man, I wish y'all had been there. Y'all could have gone with me to help that church know how to love each other. And uh, instead of starting off with a joke, I want to kind of start off a different way. Now, the little sheet of paper, and I've never done this before. Matter of fact, I sent it to Barry today, kind of the next thing. What, what I'm trying to do is to give you something that you can walk away from here after Wednesday night that will help you in your time with God to help you flourish. In your time with your daddy, and, and I'm not going to be able to finish it, but you kind of get a rhythm that uh, yesterday morning we did verse 9 of the Lord's Prayer. Tonight we'll do verse 10. And I'll have really just one point, okay? But something I'm not going to be able to get to, but I want you to uh, I want us to do a little fun thing, okay? Paul, in his book of the Philippians, which is a book about joy, the main theme of the whole book is joy. He writes chapter 4, the last chapter, and I'm going to read it and leave out a word. And so some of you who have this verse committed to memory, I want you to see if you can catch what word I've left out, okay? Paul writes, be anxious for nothing. The reason I'm going to read this is because anxiety has gone up across America. But Paul writes, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Anybody catch what word I left out? Ah, listen, once again, your pastor has a gift card for you after the service for y'all that, now, let me read it again and make sure that you catch something, okay? Be anxious for nothing. That's one verse. The other verse, it ends, if you do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your minds through Christ Jesus, which I'm convinced. Let me try something right here, okay? Slip it in my front pocket see if that now, he knows. I'll die having to stand here, but because <laughs> the truth is what I'd like to do is walk down there. Holt, you know how your son came running through here? In North Georgia, I get up there. I'm just going to turn this thing off, Okay. In North Georgia, they tell stories about guys that used to run pews. Now, I've never seen that. If I was young, I'd try it, but I'm, no. I'm, but guys, I want you to hear something, okay? Be anxious for nothing and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And here's the formula for it right here. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, and so we're talking about prayer. 
But it says, with thanksgiving. What does thanksgiving do? Now, Joel, I wish I'd have known this when I was a young man like you. My wife wishes I'd have known this. Some of y'all understand when you end up with five kids and you've got a special needs daughter and your wife can't work, finances, how are we going to pay for all five of them? I mean, how in the world are we going to pay for school and all that kind of stuff? Do you know that anxiety and thanksgiving are held in the same part of the brain? Okay, this is brain science. It's a new thing I've been learning. You actually have the same place in the brain that holds anxiety and fear. That's where you do Thanksgiving. And do you know you can't have both of them at the same time? If you start being thankful, fear and anxiety begin to leave. Isn't it crazy how God designed that kind of stuff? So here's what we're going to do. Instead of me telling a joke and try to get you all warmed up, if you ate the peach cobbler, you're already good, okay? <laughs> Whoever made that, God bless you. Now, guys, watch, watch this, okay? Every day I've learned before I go to bed at night, I think through the day and say, God, what can I be thankful for? And I can always find something to be thankful for. So in a moment, we're going to do what we did Sunday morning, where you get up in groups of no more than three, share in 30 seconds one thing that you're thankful for, not 20 years ago, but one thing you're thankful for today or yesterday. If God spoke to you and you say, man, I heard something and God just spoke to me, or something that happened to you. So, all right, guys, I'm, I'm going to give it to you to, for me personally, okay? Today, I'm sitting at lunch with Barry and David and Laura, and this guy from Op, Alabama, he didn't recognize me because my hair is not the same color as it used to be. He didn't recognize my face. He recognized my voice. Angus Edgar, I baptized that guy. And he was with his wife. He works in Andalusia. And he came over and spoke. And tonight, I'm standing down here, and Jimmy Foster who's sitting back there, I got to baptize Jimmy and his wife Becky and both his girls. Now, you're talking about something fun. I'm just thankful to God to let me just have been a part of what God was doing. You know? And so my day's already been made because just to see two people's faces that I've got to watch God do a work in their lives. Jimmy's a deacon. He's a Sunday school teacher now. Now, Barry, you know how that is. That's just fun stuff, isn't it? So I want you to think about something. So, ready? When I count to three, everybody stand up. Go find somebody in 30 seconds. Share something and then celebrate. Say, good for you. Guys, thank you all for being so good about having a little fun. And, and I want you to know, Rhonda gets the gold star. Rhonda, you hugged more people during that time than anybody else in the church. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I'm telling you.
Guys, Matthew chapter 6, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer and looking at how can we flourish spiritually by learning to just be more intimate and walk with God, walk with the Heavenly Father. And so yesterday we looked at our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Tonight we're going to take the next verse, and many of you know it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is really a simple one-point kind of just challenge to you. Okay, one point. And that's this. In my life as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In my life as it is in heaven. But let me kind of un just unpack that. And I'm not going to preach. I'm telling you guys, God just said, David, these people don't need to be preached to. Just encourage them and talk to them. And just share a little bit. So when you start by saying, Daddy, that intimacy, which aren't in heaven, and you look up and you start being reminded of who God is, who your heavenly Father really is, and you think about, a dad, which aren't in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The holiness and grandeur and the majesty and the perfection of who God is. The incredible perfection. I mean, God, let me just chase a rabbit. Okay, I'm going to make this real brief, but just think about this when I think about God. Now, I know I'm weird, okay? But have you ever thought about all the power there is in the world? I mean, if you ever put all the ants and all the insects together in all the world, how much power all the insects have? And put all of the animals, all the elephants, every cattle, every single animal in the world, put it all together. And how much power that would be. And then every storm, every hurricane, every tornado. I mean, you put all of the power of the world, all of the nuclear weapons, all the bombs that have ever been dropped. You put all the power in the world and God has more power in a whisper than all the power of the world. Because when he spoke, the worlds came into being. But I don't know of any more power, we talked about it last night, of what Jesus did on the cross and the reality that when you get saved, you transfer from your daddy as the devil to your daddy as, as your heavenly father. And nothing to me has more incredible power than that of the forgiveness of sin and the washing away of it and a transformed life. So when you start thinking of that and pondering, then it gets you ready to pray this prayer, thy kingdom come. Now, guys, just, just think with me for just a moment, okay? I need you to engage your mind. It's hard for Americans to think about a kingdom because you know what? We don't have a king in America. Matter of fact, we're kind of opposed to it, aren't we? We got a track record in DNA and of America. Well, we had a king, and we decided in 1776 that we'd had enough of it. And now we live in this American mindset of independence and autonomy and nobody's going to tell me what to do. Isn't that right? I mean, we got a president, but we don't pay attention to him. Y'all laugh. Barry and I and Laura, we stayed at lunch extra waiting for the president to call us, and he never called, did he? No. <laughs> I sent him my number, but that's a whole other story. Guys, I want you to hear this, okay? Thy kingdom come. What that says is 
there's actually a kingdom. And there's a king in that kingdom. There's one who absolutely, if you've got to have a king, there's one who reigns and rules. And if you don't catch that, you'll miss the impact of this prayer. Thy kingdom come. They, they said to Jesus, the most common name of Jesus that the people used, the disciples used, was teacher. But once Jesus rose from the dead, you go read what Peter and Paul and all the guys, they called him James, they called him the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord. That means he's the master. That means he's the boss. Now, I was telling, because there's an 11-year-old that can shoot here, dead eye. That's what you called him, right, Barry? Tell him I, I had the opportunity to go to military school in Marion, Alabama. It was no problem for me because my dad had taught me two very key words that the military, it really helped me at military school. And that was, yes, sir. You better know yes, sir, because Bob Franklin could draw a belt faster than John Wayne ever thought about drawing a gun. <laughs> and with three boys, it encouraged us. <laughs> but yes, sir, was absolutely important. That helped me in my spiritual life because when I understood not just salvation but lordship, there is, a, there is one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that has authority in my life and the goal is for him to reign and rule in my life and all over this world because there's a kingdom and what God is concerned about your daddy is concerned about is the kingdom that's why the first sermon that we have that Jesus preached in the book of Mark he said repent for the kingdom of God is at hand and guys I'm telling you this idea of a kingdom is absolutely essential for us to grasp you see when Jesus prayed about a kingdom there's multiple different kinds of kingdom there was the Roman kingdom but, but let me make sure you understand Satan has a kingdom a kingdom of darkness and what God wants the reason he sent Jesus is because it's his will that none should perish but all come to faith in him and be transferred from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light where Jesus Christ reigns and rules supreme. But let me tell you what I've seen and this comes from going around to kind of weird in our county. I don't just do the Bartow Baptist Association but I go preaching Methodist churches and all kinds of different denominational churches. Matter of fact, one of our black pastors, because I go preach in black churches, he said, David, if you're going to preach in black churches, you're going to have to dress better. And he gave me two suits. <laughs> I took them home, and my wife's like, what are those? I said, those are suits. And she's like, whose are they? I said, they're mine. She's like, you're not going to wear that, are you? Because <laughs> it had a lot more bling than I normally have, okay? I'm a pretty boring dresser. You just have to laugh at it. But, but as I've gone around, I've seen something in recent days. People have withdrawn. They call it cocooning. Sociologists call it cocooning. And 
And in the metro Atlanta area where everybody lives in a subdivision, not everybody, but a lot of people live in subdivision, people come in, press their garage door, it opens up, they drive in, they close it, and they have withdrawn from other people. But I've seen it at church. And of all the people that ought not to do that, it ought to be us. We're, the, we're called a family. And Rhonda, you're right. COVID was horrible for those of us that think people, God loves them, and we love them. And guys, here's this thing. When you become a Christian, you become a citizen of his kingdom. You get a birth certificate that can, oh, it's, it's eternal. It'll never fade away. And you become a citizen of the kingdom of God where he reigns and rules. But I think we've lost sight that we have a place and a purpose in it. Let me tell you a passage of scripture that God, you know, sometimes, Pastor, you, you've been like this. You've been reading something and you've read it all your life and all of a sudden you read it and you're like, I've never seen that before. So y'all know this passage of scripture from Psalm 139 where David writes, he says, I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And then my soul knows them very well. My frame was not hidden from you. And when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet formed. And yet in, book, yet in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me. And when yet none, there was none of them yet to, had come into existence. Guys, I'd never paid attention to that thing about a book. And it says it again in Daniel. And I started looking through the Bible at Books. Do you know that there was a book written with your name on it of all that God intended for you to do in this world to make a difference? Let me say it this way. God has aspirations for you. And he doesn't have aspirations for you to just spend all of your time on yourself. He has aspirations for you to be a part of what he's doing in this world to make an absolute radical difference. And there's nothing more fun. If you want to know where the joy is, the joy is in the absolute being part of God's team and God's plan and living the way that God designed you to. Matter of fact, Paul says in Philippians about all these things that God ordained for you to do, good works for you to do. Before you were ever born. Now, guys, I know... Some of y'all, you kind of looked at me like, what? Let me just pause right here and say something to all of you who are grandparents like me. Parents too, but grandparents. Guys, I'm telling you, our grandkids, we've got to step up to the plate. And part of what God wants us doing is praying that the kingdom would come in their life. Not just in ours, but for the kingdom to come in their life. For the reign and rule of God in their life. So that they would have joy and peace and patience and kindness and all those things that the world, the enemies trying to rob them of. That's why he said, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. But there's one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm telling you, the enemy is alive and well and wants to steal, kill, and destroy. 
but we can do something about it. And so every day, I pray for my grandkids because there's a book written in heaven before they were ever born. Now they've been born. I'm like, Lord, in Briley Franklin's life, in little Lydia's life, may your kingdom come in their life. Your will be done. I mean, may your will be done. And God, you've got aspirations to use them. Who knows how? Maybe they'll be mothers. Maybe they'll be wives. Maybe they'll be missionaries. I don't know. But it's already been written, God's aspiration. And I'm praying that God, the kingdom, would come in their life. That means they get saved. That means that they begin to walk with him and they experience him. And they do things that no mind can conceive, no eye has seen. They do things that make it look like that what I've got to see God do, do is just nothing. I pray that God would use them more than he's ever dreamed about using me. Because I try to practice this, okay? I pray it for myself. God, may your kingdom come in my life. But not just my life, my kids. But I pray it over my neighbors. So go out in my backyard and I live in a place. We moved to a subdivision in Macon and my wife, I drove her crazy evidently because she was willing to buy some land when we moved to Bartow County. She was like, I can't take living with him in a subdivision anymore. I don't know what I did. I just like a little space. So I go out in my backyard and I can see kind of these four or five acre tracts of land and we're up on this ridge and I pray, God, may your kingdom come for Grady Columns next door. God, may your kingdom come. And there's a Hispanic family that lives kind of down the hill over this little valley. Prayed over next door neighbor. I prayed over all the houses. And I started praying, would your kingdom come, God, in that house down there with the crazy people from New Jersey? <laughs> How do you get from up there down here? I started praying that, and I prayed that. Seven weeks I prayed that, and there was a knock on my door, and I went to the door, and there was Lisa. Lisa woke up. Now, think, Rhonda, she, she's tall like you. But she ain't nothing like you. <laughs> Everything that I had ever heard bad about a Yankee female, she embodied. Now, guys, you got to understand, I worked construction in high school, and I played high school basketball in Montgomery. I've been around some really good cussing. I've heard things on a construction site that I never heard my mother say. Lisa Warcup could outcuss any man I've ever met and could do it in the harshest voice. And she, she said, Now, wait, what, what had I been doing, guys? I've been praying. And she said, I was going to my support group. I was telling them about all this kind of problem. And she said, I said, I need somebody to talk to. And this older lady says, well, David Franklin lives near you. You need to go talk to him. Guys, I'm telling you, 
that began a journey because she and Jeff were about to kill each other. Now, now when I say that, I'm not exaggerating, okay? Now, I, I know y'all are thinking I'm exaggerating. No, but you get some lost people that are mad at each other and hate each other, it can get bad, and it was bad. But I kept praying. It was amazing to watch God work. And the most amazing thing, I mean, y'all, she used cuss words that she didn't even, she didn't know she used it. It was just part of the language. It took like 20 months before she got saved. Jeff got saved. I remember when Lisa came, she, she grew up kind of Catholic. She had never been into an evangelical church, Baptist church. She came to hear me preach one time, scared to death. Had no idea what was going to happen. She got saved and Jeff got saved. Jeff grew up in an incredibly dysfunctional family. I mean, unbelievable stories. And just because somebody gets saved, that doesn't mean they get instantly cleaned up, right? Funniest thing would Jeff would look at Lisa and say, Shh, quit that cussing. You can't, you're saved now. You can't do that. <laughs> because I'm telling you, part of our calling is to be involved in the kingdom. We just because the world's gone crazy in America, no, we're needed now more than ever before. I mean, we really are. And the opportunities are there. Lost people are more receptive right now than I've ever seen in my life. I mean, way back in another century, I was the, one of my jobs at a church, I was on church staff, was evangelism, discipleship. I mean, I've taught all kinds of people how to do evangelism. It's easier right now than I've ever seen in my life. You know why? People are hurting worse than they've ever hurt. And people who are hurting are looking for somebody whose life has joy and peace. You let people that are anxious see somebody that's got the peace of Jesus in them, they're like, okay, what is going on with you? Guys, I'm just, tonight I know this sounds crazy. Thy kingdom come. It's about the lordship of Jesus in your life. With your time, your talent, with whatever you've got. I mean, I'm like, okay, Lord, everything I have is yours. So, so how do I connect with a Hispanic neighbor? Guys, here's what's crazy. I move in, and my next-door neighbor over here is saved. Across the street, there's a chairman of deacons. There's some other saved people. But, but back there, this guy's got eight, nine acres He's got a construction company, Concrete. He's been there before I was. I'm not a tech guy. I'm a dirt guy. I like to grow things. And so I've got a really, really good vegetable garden. So I grow hot peppers. I don't like hot peppers. But I know who does. Fernando does. So I go knock on his door. His wife comes to the door before he does. She can't speak English. She's been in the United States 20-something years now. She can't speak English. But you can't believe what hot peppers and fresh corn and squash 
and green beans can do to open a conversation about Jesus. And here's the sad thing. I'm the first person in our whole community that has ever knocked on their door. Shame on all of us. Acts 17, 26, there's an ordained time and place, God says. He chose the time and place that a man's to live. If I would have had, if I'd have had my wish, I'd still be pastor in First Baptist Op. But God moved me. I'm in North Georgia now. And it's not because I'm a minister. Please hear me. It's not because I've pastored a church that I'm trying to win people to Christ. I know that the king died on a cross because Lisa and Jeff Warcup are lost and dying and going to hell. And it's God's will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So when my next door neighbor, Laura, was going to move, I knew it a year in advance. I started praying, Lord, send somebody there that I can be a blessing to. And I'm telling you, a lost group moved in from Oregon. Yeah, they got three boys. They're the best entertainment I've ever seen. Guys, I'm telling you, Sarah, her dad's a pastor, but he, wasn't, he didn't represent Jesus well. She won't have anything to do with God. And the only hope that those three teenage boys have next door is David Franklin. And it's not because I'm a minister. Wait, 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 wait. Pastor, I think I got this right. Didn't somebody say that if you get saved and you're a child of God, you're a minister? Not because you got, quote, ordained to preach. Whoop-de-doo. A minister is just somebody that's about the king and his business of going out and doing stuff. So, so guys, every day, I'm praying. You can see it. My life as it is in heaven. God, David Franklin's life as it is in heaven. Now, do I like that prayer sometimes? No. Walked out of Walmart. After signing the little thing, I, I walk out and I get out to my car, which is half a mile away, and realize I had their pen. And the Holy Spirit said, oh, excuse me, David, that's not your pen. And my first thought was, I know that. And it was like, okay, I need to take that back. Well, that's a long walk. Lord, you know how many pens they got at Walmart? <laughs> but you know what, guys? If you're really serious about the king, and he says, you know, that pen, if you take it, that's called stealing. As so I go walking back into Walmart, <laughs> it's a long way, and I gave him this lady back her pen. She looked at me like, you're an idiot. <laughs> I said, ma'am, I got out to my car and I realized I took your pen. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Here's your pen back. She looked at me like, what a stupid man. Well, it really was like, what a stupid looking old man. <laughs> but I paused and I said, man, you don't understand. There's this man named Jesus that, that, that I try to do what he says. And if I stole that from you, that's stealing. And I'm accountable. I hope you have a good day.
I'm telling you guys, I get into more conversations, stumble into it, but intentionally, I'm praying every day, Lord, make sure that I run into somebody today that I get to talk to about this God, this Jesus that absolutely loves them. Guys, what an, what an incredible assignment. But that's what being a citizen, you know, lordship is about being the king and the kingdom, and he gets to set the agenda. And nothing I have, nothing, nothing I have is mine. Everything I got is his. So I want to ask you tonight, anything you're holding on to? I'm telling you what I've seen is a lot of people, especially after COVID, have kind of stepped back. And part of it comes from what's the world we're living in that's making fun of Christians now and it's crazy and stuff like that? It kind of is disorienting, isn't it? It's kind of discouraging. We used to kind of have home field advantage. But now I'm like, you know what? It's more fun because now people are looking at like, okay, wh why do you have a smile on your face? And man, to go out and just to smile at people and have joy in your life. But I know this, it's God's will that none would perish. And I've seen people withdraw from serving at church. I've seen people look next door at somebody who voted a different way and say, okay, I'm not going to have anything to do with them. I'm like, not me. God, let, let, me, let me say this, okay? Across the street from me, he's a friend of mine, chairman of Deacons of one of our churches. His daughter married another woman. And they did in vitro and had twin boys. My neighbor Davis, bless his heart. You know, I said to him one day, I said, brother, I'm a parent. Kids don't always do what we want them to. Adult children get to make decisions. And you just know every time I pass your house, I'm praying. They've got their own house. I'm praying for those two ladies. And I'm excited that God put, gave you two grandsons because you're going to represent Jesus well to them. And I said, I'm praying with you because I know what your heart is. Guys, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And the God that loves me so much that put his son on the cross, that God, I decided, you know what? I'm going to walk with him and live for him the rest of my life. And however he shapes it, fine, it's his call. It's his call. We started praying this, not just personally, but we pray it as a community. If you look at any community, sociologists say there's seven spheres of influence or seven mountains of a community. How do they do government? How do they do education? How do they do business? How do they do arts entertainment? How do they do media? How do they communicate with each other? How do they do family and how do they do faith? So we started praying. In Bartow County, Jesus Christ reign and rule on all, every single sphere of influence, every single mountain in Bartow County. We started praying that January of 2011. April 27th, I'll never forget that day. I was at my house. Tornadoes were all over the southeast, Alabama, Georgia. Got a call because I had two kids in Tuscaloosa. 
we were watching it on the radar. I was actually out gone out to feed some cows and my wife called me and said, there's a tornado about to hit Tuscaloosa. And she said, it's, it's bad. We sat on our front porch and watched one go through our county. Had another daughter at Berry College in Rome and one went through there. It was crazy. Everywhere there was a Franklin, there was tornadoes except for in one place. It was on a Wednesday night. Fortunately, my children were fine, but not everybody's was. But our emergency management guy in Bartow County was a 76-year-old drunk, and they just let him stay on the job. He resigned that night, didn't show up at work. That tornado hit and ran 21 and a half miles across our county. Fortunately, it was not in the most populated part, but still did a bunch of damage. They called me on Saturday morning. And I walk in and there's these five firemen. First words out of their mouth, David, okay, you're in charge of tornado recovery. And we're looking at them like, oh, that's funny. They said, no, we're serious. What, what you get those teenagers to do during the summer, because God has started a mission thing, you gotta get, you gotta get all the churches to do that because we, we got a mess and there's nobody in charge. And guys, I remember thinking this. Guys, I don't have time for that. We just committed to move my father-in-law in. We're getting ready to do a house addition. I was going to do all the work myself because I like that stuff and I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> it's like, God, I remember him saying, you prayed, didn't you? I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> but, but Lord, I don't have time to do that. He said, well, well don't call me Lord if you're not going to do what I say. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, guys, and God gave me three questions, but one of them was this. I said, guys, y'all understand that everybody I work with are called Christians and they think they're supposed to do this kind of stuff. Now, I stretched it. Very, I had to say, Lord, I, wrong. But, but I said, Guys, we will take this assignment, but you've got to know that unapologetically and unashamedly, they've been told by Jesus, their Lord, to do this, but they're going to do it, give a cup of cold water, but they'll do it in Jesus' name. Are you all okay with that? They said, yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. I've never done tornado recovery in my life. Now, I had done disaster recovery because that's what happens when you change diapers in one house for 11 years, <laughs> Right? So, guys, I walk out with an assignment, and God just showed out. It was just incredible. We had another one two years later. It was worse. We, the church, knew what our assignment was that time, and God showed out even more. So, in 2013, I spent nine months doing tornado recovery in Adairsville, Georgia. Rebuilt 35 houses. I mean, we actually gave a key, a brand-new house to somebody. Managed over 6,000 volunteers. We were given $107,000, and the government said, y'all have done $15 million worth of work. It wasn't me. It was God. I mean, you, can't, you can't make that stuff up. But we prayed. Thy kingdom come. We were praying, Jesus, you reign and rule in every sphere of influence. 
And guys, what that did was when the government calls the church, that's the way it ought to be. We got to see people get saved. We got to help people. I have to be honest and say this because I'm a mischievous, well, I'm a middle child, and so some of y'all know middle children have a way of being sneaky and conniving. One of my funnest moments was when, in 2011, when, when FEMA showed up, they got mad because there was nothing left for them to do. And all we did was grin. But because we prayed for the kingdom of God to come in Bartow County, the kingdom of God to come in Bartow County, reign and rule Jesus here, not just in my home, not just with me, but would you do it in our churches? Would you do it in this community in such a way that you get the glory? And we're not going to rob you of the glory, God. You're going to get the glory. came and governor and a bunch of stuff designated that 2013 tornado recovery as the greatest disaster response in the history of the state of Georgia and actually changed the emergency management plan to include houses of worship which was not part of the emergency management plan because of what God did but it started with praying and it started with a group of people that were willing to say you know what it's not about us it's not about us but you won't ever get there, guys, until you fall in love with your daddy and you see who he is and the most natural prayer. Jesus had it so perfect. Man, I've got a daddy that loves me with an everlasting love. And he proved it on the cross. And not only that, he's the one that created heaven. He sits in heaven. And, I mean, he's perfectly holy. Now that kind of holy person the most natural response is to say, your kingdom come, not mine. Guys, let me say it a different way. I don't own myself. I don't own my time. I don't own, I don't have any talents. I can't sing. I can't do technology. But my time is not mine. I love to fish. There's a lot of things that I like to do. But you know what? Sometimes the king has a different agenda. And winning those boys next door to me is way more important than me going fishing. They'll drive you crazy. They will flat drive you crazy. But I'm telling you, nobody prays for those three boys next door more than David Franklin does. Their parents aren't praying for them. Do I do that for glory? Absolutely not. I just know there is one who sent his son to die for Kyler and Colton and Kate Allison. And the only hope they've got, he put them next door to me, I guarantee you, because somebody, somebody's sitting next to you in a classroom. Somebody's sitting next to you at work. There's somebody that you are going to meet. You might have already met them. That if the kingdom's going to come in their life, it may be you. And God's chosen you. He didn't choose Barry to know everybody in Covenant County. He can't be every place. But you know what? He's got a body at Hopewell that's out all over the place. In a classroom here, 
in a business over here. You're the ones that God's used. And if you want to know where the joy is, y'all, I'm telling you what, walk around and be used by God just in some small way. And you're like, man, my life has purpose now. I've made a difference. Not me, God has. But I've been used by God. And when God flows through you to touch people, I'm telling you, it makes all the difference in the world. You wake up every day and it's like, okay, God, what are we going to do today? <laughs> this is going to be fun. You never know who you're going to get to connect with. And I can stay up here and tell story after story after story. Let me end with this one so y'all know, okay. This one came last Wednesday night from a mother in a discipleship group I'm leading at a church. I mentioned that we'd been going in class into schools and teaching, using Bible verses and teaching kids how to relate to one another. So we teach these kids, look and pay attention to who around you may look discouraged or may look anxious or maybe doesn't have a friend. If somebody's sitting by themselves, go get a, just build a relationship, get into the conversation because conversations change, they, they change everything. So Bethany, the mom, shares this story. She says to this group, she said, hey, y'all, what they're talking about is absolutely real. She said, I've got two daughters. They're leaders, and they've been trained to pay attention and to notice people. And she says, my oldest daughter is a senior at high school and new girl on the soccer team. She didn't know her, and she noticed that nobody was talking to her. And she noticed that she... Her clothes weren't maybe as nice as everybody else's. So this girl, 17 years old, okay, she goes over and starts a conversation with her and finds out that she had just moved that summer, this past summer. She had moved and uh, found out that her mom was single, but her mom had just had a baby with her new boyfriend. Now, guys, that tells you a lot right there. This girl said to Bethany, she said, you know, I, I really need a job because I, I've got to start making some money. So what does Bethany do? She understands the kingdom, right? She understands, okay, God created this girl. She didn't get to choose her family, but God created her. God loves her. God sent Jesus down a cross just so that she could have eternity eternal life so Bethany goes and helps this girl find a job where she was working she took her there and she got a job she actually has gone and picked her up and taken her to work and gone and picked her up and taken her back home when she didn't have a ride she called her mom and that was August she called her mom September and said mom this girl it's her birthday and nobody knew it, and her mom's not doing anything, and nobody is doing anything. Can I take her shopping and buy her a birthday present? Because I'm telling you, y'all expect that from your pastor. If Laura did something like that, y'all would say, oh, yeah, we expected that. But here you got a 17-year-old girl saying, Mom, can I take her shopping? She takes her shopping. The next week she calls, and she says, Mom, this girl, she's got to ride the bus home. If she goes home, her mother can't bring her back to the soccer game. She'll miss the game. 
can I bring her home? And her mom was like, absolutely. Now you got a 17-year-old who's got her mom and her dad and her sister. They're loving on this girl. And here's what Bethany said to the whole group of adults. She said, y'all aren't going to believe this. She started asking the most random faith questions. And Bethany said this, the mom, she said, I'm watching my daughter do what I'm supposed to have done my whole life. And I'm watching my 17-year-old daughter do what a Christian's supposed to do. See, guys, that's when we pray. Once you get a view of God and who he is and you understand who he is, then you pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Think about it. You're talking about the reign and rule of Jesus in your life and in your family's life, in your church. You ought to pray that. Simplest prayer in the world. Simplest prayer I pray for my grandkids in their life as it is in heaven. Simplest prayer for me in my life as it is in heaven. I surrender all, God. I'm yours. But that's what I'm praying for all of our churches. That's what I'm praying for our community. That's what I'm praying that would happen all over. That's what I'm praying for Hopeful Baptist Church. And hopeful as it is in heaven. I want to ask you to bow your head. Because I want to press you just a little bit tonight on the invitation. I'm not one that presses people, but, but I want to press you tonight on this. Is there some area of your life that it's not in that area as it is in heaven. Is Jesus Christ the ruler? Is he reigning in every part of your life? Maybe something happened and you just kind of backed off a little bit. Maybe there's something that you've got. Maybe it's your time. A lot of times it's money. But there's something God, has he been, has Jesus, the king, been pressing you about doing something? Maybe serving in some way. Maybe going and talking to your neighbor. Maybe just doing something with somebody at work. Or maybe there's a student. Guys, we've trained teenagers to go into a classroom and pray over the desk next to them, the person that sits there in their life as it is in heaven. And we've watched kids be able to engage and talk to lost people and see lost people come to Christ. But guys, it starts with us individually. Can you pray tonight in my life as it is in heaven? What you're talking about is complete surrender. But I'm telling you, when you see Jesus and see the, your daddy for who he is and how much he loves you, the easiest thing in the world is to re respond by saying, oh, yes. Daddy, you love me. I just want to love you back. Here I am. I surrender all. I, I'm yours. Whatever you want to do with me.
do it.